This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Hey, Marty Wolf, how are you doing? Hey, Joe Redding. Uh, we've both been talking about this interview for some time. For quite so, some time, you're right. So who are we talking to today, man? Man, we've got Jake Hall with us today, and we're going to be discussing like the business and technology behind how social media influencers like a Jake Hall are affecting change in manufacturing and automation. So yeah, so we're joined by Jake Hall. Let me just give you a little background about who Jake is, and I'm sure he's going to you know, delve into it more deeply. But uh, Jay Call is AKA the manufacturing millennial. Okay, he's an advocate for automation and skilled trades and the future worker by helping revolutionize the way people and companies present uh, through social media and how they adopt new technology. He has over 75,000 followers and over 100 million views on his content, right? So he ignites a lot of conversation about the latest and greatest things in automation and technology, you know, just to excite um, the current and future workforce and innovation. So by working with small uh, manufacturers to fortune owner companies, Jake creates awareness around automation and modernization, investing in skill trades and attracting the next generation workforce. So Jake, how are you doing? There you go. Joe, Marty, I'm, I'm doing great. It's uh, it's great to be on and have a conversation with you guys. Yes. Uh, so we're going to jump right into this because I'm so anxious to learn a little bit more about yourself and then, you know, how you're affecting the industry through, you know, what you do throughout social media and your travelers. So, you know, yeah. so for, well, I guess it's like nearly 40 years now, you've been known as the manufacturer's uh, manufacturing millennial. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, a little bit about your history and then how you kind of like matriculated into being the manufacturing millennial? Yeah, no, great question. So um, I would say we'll start at the beginning. And uh, I've been part of manufacturing pretty much in one way or another in my entire life. So my first job um, when I was in high school was working for a, a manufacturer. It was actually a custom automation machine builder here in West Michigan. And I did what I call the grunt work of, of every newbie, you know, right? I swept the floors. I wiped down and blew off a lot of the wood, the, 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 the metal chips and everything that were on the CNCs, the, the mills. Um, probably smelled way too much acetone from being a kid, uh, wiping down a lot of metal parts that went into painting or grinding. Um, and, and, you know, got a really great experience of, seeing all these different types of automation and components coming together then to make a, you know, a solution. And then that really perked my interest. Um, I was involved with first robotics when I was in high school as well. So I really enjoyed that design and build um, and working with a team environment. So I went to college. I got a manufacturing engineering degree uh, here at Grand Valley State University in Michigan. Um, and after that, jumped right into, you know, the world of automation. I went and worked for an automation distributor uh, right out of college. We sold a lot of things, everything from like vision systems to robotics to PLCs to motion control. And it was great being here in West Michigan. I 
we have such a diverse amount of industries here, right? Even though we're in Michigan, yes, there's a lot of automotive here. There's also a lot of food and bev, a lot of packaging, a lot, you know, we were talking earlier with like Casket Engineering, you know, and, and what they're doing. And we have all the big furniture companies out here too and, and, and biomed device. So it's, it was really great to see working in distribution. You get to see all these different industries and all these different industries, how they work, the type of equipment and the type of technology they use, how their approaches to automation and manufacturing. Um, so it was a great experience. I did that for seven years leading up to 2020. I went and went to go work for another company for a systems integrator. We did a lot of controls and software, uh, SCADA, MES, um, control systems upgrades, and, and got to see that side of the business. But something else unique happened in 2020, and that was the pandemic. So we were told to work from home. We couldn't you know, go and see people face-to-face -face anymore. All of the people that I talked with were now working from home as well. Um, so it was one of those things that was hard to connect with them, especially when a lot of times sales is a very much face-to-face -face business. Um, so I started just posting content more on LinkedIn. I had maybe a couple hundred connections at the time. And just started talking more about manufacturing in general, not in so much of a, a sales approach of, hey, here's our line card, here's the different solutions that we could do, but more just, here's a cool, interesting fact about manufacturing, or here's here's a cool automation process you might not have seen before. Um, and and going that approach in a social media way, right, where people are going through social media, they're scrolling, they're not going online to directly look for your content you're one of the many content that they scroll past. So I had to learn how to make content that was quick, educational, engageable. Um, and over the, the years of doing that, I, I was getting better at video and creating and content creating and more and more people were following me um, to the point where uh, this year I went full-time and now I'm, I'm a full-time keynote speaker. I do a lot of content creation. I do brand advocacy for trade shows and events and individual companies. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of helps fuel my passion for what I really care about. And that's getting, you know, that this next generation excited about, you know, seeing these young kids, these, you know, younger millennials or Gen Z's who don't know what they want to do with their career, but, you know, encourage them to be a part of manufacturing and skilled trades and automation robotics. Um, it's, it's really exciting to talk about the opportunities and potentials that they have, you know, to grow in their career. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. So this manufacturing millennial, right? Yeah. Where did that tagline come on and how, why is that effective for you? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, obviously millennials have always had that perception of general industry, you know, the older generations, the Gen Xers, the baby boomers, they always kind of had that, you know, pick and, you know, they picked on the millennials a lot and, and granted the millennials picked back on the boomers and, and the Gen Xers as well. Um, but I was at a at an association conference in like 2019 and I was there and they were talking about how do you prepare your companies for future generations, for the next generation of manufacturing. And, and I thought it was really interesting when I was there, I was the only millennial in the crowd, right? And then granted, it's a lot of manufacturing conferences you go to. Most of the attendees are, you know, 40, 50 you know, early 60, you know, guys that are attending. And here I am as a 20 year old at the time still in my 20s, um, you know, seeing what that was. And, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, geez, I'm a millennial. I'm in manufacturing. I am an unapologetic one with what this generation, what my generation wants to see in terms of a, a future employer, the culture of it, the type of technology you want to work with. Um, so I'm a millennial in manufacturing. I might as well come up with 
a fun tagline. So the manufacturing millennial is what it was, and and I stuck with yeah. it. Do you, do you, hey, if you want a partners, the uh, it's the baby boomer uh, guy. I mean, I'd be happy to fill in and help you out. Talk to the baby boomers. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we, we need all the advocates we can get. You need a manufacturing <laughs> baby boomer there, Marty. Yeah. yeah, well, there's plenty of those, as Jake just pointed out. Uh, yeah, the work that uh, work that he's doing in terms of the younger generation. And, and Jake, you, you, I'm sure you didn't notice, but I rang the bell on your LinkedIn profile. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm getting your I'm getting your uh, your work, and uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. I really am. I've re- responded to a couple things. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's it's a lot of fun, and like I think the best part that I really enjoy doing is it's. It's great going into so many different manufacturing companies. Like I was, I flew into Minneapolis early this week, toured a, you know a few different manufacturing facilities. One was, um, you know, a company that really focuses on the food and bev industry and and stacking of products and stuff like that. Another one was the distributor that works a lot with, um, the you know mid, the Midwest Minneapolis area is a lot of packaging and a lot of food and bev. Um, probably no more of a dense area than that region right there. And it just, it was great to talk to the companies, seeing what they're doing, seeing what they're struggling with, seeing what excites them. And, you know, over the past few years, going into a couple hundred different manufacturers, I see a lot of it. I see it all in a lot of cases. And, and I think it's just one of those things that just makes what I do so exciting. Yeah. So you are actually going into manufacturing sites and, and are you preaching the, the automation, the manufacturing and using automation? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a combination of going in right to companies. And, and I, I speak a lot to uh, directors and VPs and board of directors on industry trends that I'm seeing from a culture perspective, you know, and and what this next generation wants to see as well. And granted, it's not to belittle or take away any other generation that's in the industry. It's just they want to know what young kids want to see. And, you know, I granted the, the, the gray hair, you know, might be a little, a little bit deceiving. I am 34. So I would still say I'm a little bit young. I have a lot of experience that way, but being able to, um, you know, to share what, what we're seeing in the industry and, and, and working with so many different auto, you know, custom automation companies and manufacturers that are making equipment, you know, going to 20 plus trade shows a year, you get to talk to a lot of companies that are trying new things um and what they're doing great and what they failed at and and you know it's not one of those things where i'm you know going out and and sharing the trade secrets of every manufacturer i think that's the one thing is every manufacturer thinks they're doing something that no one else is doing <laughs> that's 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 not the case too much I, I there's a few places that i bet into like i've never seen that before but the rest of them are you know but that's that's another topic um <laughs> but you know it's, it's one of those things where yeah i get to go and see a lot of manufacturers i get to go in and see a lot of manufacturers processes and it's not one of those things where hey it's just a, a a guy who's online talking about manufacturing from outside the industry i've been in the industry for a really long time i've seen a lot of equipment i've commissioned a lot of equipment i've installed a lot of robots and vision systems and helped that stuff along the way um and it's just it's a it's a lot of fun it's it's yeah. a it's a great time one thing they do share though is one of your main topics and that is finding people uh getting educating we'll say younger people yeah to be interested in the industry they all share that i believe am i correct well you would hope so uh necessity if nothing else yeah you know it's, it's one of those things where you walk into companies and 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 you don't see one person there on the age of 45 and you're like 
I wonder what their succession plan is. You know, it, it could be just a guy who has got his own shop for the past 10, 15 years. Um, and maybe when he decides to retire, he'll sold off. It'll be acquired by another company and their HR team will come in and, and, you know, revitalize some youth into it. But yeah, I would say there's a lot of manufacturers who are being very intentional now on trying to get next generations into their industry. And they're not doing it just by trying to hire younger people. Um, a lot of companies are doing a phenomenal job reaching out to the community more, getting involved with local robotics programs or local open houses or events that open their doors up for parents and kids to come in and check out, you know, what they're doing. I just made a post today where um, I hung out at a, uh, a custom manufacturer a couple weeks ago and they had an open house and they had the parents of uh, the kids robotics team, the parents and the kids came in at six o'clock that night and there was 20 parents there and there was 20 kids there. And we got to talk to all the parents and not just the kids who see it, but the parents about, Hey, here's all the different um, career paths. Your kids, your kid, you can take. And here's all the different career paths your kid could take coming out of college. Right. You might just think the only opportunity for that your kid to be successful is going to a four-year university because that's what we were told was – that's what for them success was 20, 30 years ago, right? If you got a college degree 30 years ago, you were you were golden because that was such a an oddity, you know, right? Not everyone was going to college at the time. Um, now it's the opposite. Everyone's going to college. Everyone is getting, you know, a – communications or a social or a business degree, I call it the GED of education, which truly, you know, unless you, what, there's no value to it, in my opinion, right? A lot of that skill set can be learned on YouTube these days. And so these kids graduate with 30, 40, $50,000 of student debt. And then all of a sudden they're like, why can't I do anything? It's because they're paying, you know, $600 a month on or whatever, whatever the interest rates are for, for loans. And then all of a sudden they're just, they're held back three or four, five, six years paying off debt when they could have went to college for free, got an apprentice program, went and partnered with a manufacturer who would pay for them to go to school while working at the company. Uh, but parents don't understand that those other opportunities exist, right? Your kid can be just as successful going into a trades program becoming a robot technician or a welder or a CNC programmer or a machinist, which are now even more and more high in demand because the generation that's been doing that for the past 30 years is now retiring than a person with an engineering degree. And granted, yeah, an engineering degree is probably going to be making more money than a skilled trade. But here's the thing. Not everyone's is, is, is going to be a great engineer. Not everyone loves, you know, calculus and differential equations and kinematics and you know machine motion some people are phenomenal working with their hands and looking at a part and understanding how they can make that part um and so instead of us trying to control what kids should do we should find out what the kids are great at and encourage them to go into these different you know career paths that was that was absolutely a great segment there. Uh, yeah, so we I, I know myself I'm a big proponent of the skilled trades. Um, I'm I'm on the board of directors at the Hobart Institute of Welding, so I'm always promoting the skilled trade for for welding. I think it's a great career. Uh, you know, just like in automation, maybe it's a robot tech, as you're saying, and even then the plumbers, the electricians. I mean, we all we need that in order to sustain and 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 survive really in, in this world today. Um, but if we get back to like some of the, the manufacturing aspect of it, and you're going into manufacturing uh, facilities, mm-hmm. speaking with maybe C-suites or owners, uh, 
there's got to be some challenges that they're seeing on, on how to implement automation or, or upskilling their labor force to either to even own and work with the automation. Uh, have you been having any conversations like that or they've been asking you, like, what do you think the next yeah. step would be? You know, I would say the the biggest challenge to automation, and I think this is actually a study that McKenzie and company did. So it's, it's, it's not just for my thoughts, but I think McKenzie and company has numbers out there. One of the biggest struggles to automation isn't the cost of automation, isn't the ROI justification, it's the lack of a workforce that can integrate that and be available to then keep that mm. running, right? No automation machine is ever going to be completely 100% lights out. It's going to need change over time. Your product changes over time. There's different variables that change over time. You're going to need support. Um, but when a lot of these companies are like, we can't do automation because we have no one who's knowledgeable of it, or, you know, you have these workers, well, we'll just use an example, an end-of-line palletizing solution. One of the easiest justifications for ROI is taking boxes off a conveyor, coming off of a line, putting them on a pallet that's going to get shipped mm -hmm. out. Um, super easy ROI justification, just because, you know, of labor, high turnover job, injuries, right. you know, it's one of those things where it is, but a lot of companies fear it because, oh, we've never had a robot before. We've never done this. We've never done that. Yet, one of the conversations that I have is you have to realize this next generation is such a digital native. They love that stuff. So instead of trying to put pressure on an older generation at your company that you've been, that is what you've been trying to do before, use it as a way to enable a future generation to bring younger people in because you're adopting technology and use, use technology not just as a strategy to drive productivity, but use technology as a strategy to drive younger workers into your facility. Um, and it's one of those things where yeah, I'm going in, we're talking to companies from, from a multi-approach. One is, you know, what are what are technology strategies that you can use to drive, you know, production? Or, or you know, what's the best road when it comes to like an automation roadmap, for example? Um, the other big thing is not even necessarily, quote unquote, on the production side, but more just on the brand awareness side, you know, within marketing and, and outreach. Um, if, if you as a manufacturer consider a majority of your workforce to come locally within your area, within your region. Yet you as a company aren't directly impacting that area or getting involved with that. They're never going to come and work for you because they just think you're a dark, dirty, dull, dangerous manufacturer that does nothing besides sit inside of a, you know, a gray brick warehouse that has four walls and no windows. Um, mm -hmm. You need to be going out there and talking about not only what you're doing, but the impact that you're creating, the jobs that you do, the products that you make and how those impact people, but also showcasing all the different career paths and opportunities that these young professionals or, or professionals who are looking for a new job or a near career path can be taking. Um, and like the biggest thing that I always talk about when I'm talking is saying, hey, if you're out there and you have a marketing team, how is your marketing team talking about your company? Are you using LinkedIn as a tool to talk about your product or a tool to highlight your people. Um, and, and, and granted, no one, no, no company for the most part is saying, I'm gonna go on a company's LinkedIn page to learn about a new product. Like that's not the avenue of, of a lot of cases that are out there. 
what they should be doing is they should be using LinkedIn as they're posting. It's going through people's feeds and they're seeing highlights about it, right? When people are going into a job interview and they want to know more about the company, so they click on their social media page, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, which is the predominant one. They want to know, how am I going to relate to that company? Not what product do they make? You know, find out what what is going to get people excited because if you have a young female who wants to maybe go into manufacturing, but then she just sees a bunch of picture of a bunch of old white dudes. Is she going to feel like she fits in with that company? Is is she going to feel like, yeah, that's the company I want to work for because the people who lead that company look like me, you know? And, and the, that's the thing that you have to be intentional with trying to move your company forward in a cultural way. That's going to be more attractive to everyone. Um, and like, that's the value that social media can do. It's to highlight your people, not showcase your product. Yeah. We will say that again. Just say that Hi again. Highlight your people. Don't showcase your product. Bam. <laughs> okay. Jerry, how often do we talk about that in our day to day? Oh boy. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. you know, we are a systems integrator, Jake. I'm not sure if you aware of that we have, yeah. we have we have a yeah. few locations around the pennsylvania area so we are actually actively recruiting ourselves you know looking for that young talent or upskilled talent or traditional tra transitional talent so to speak um so yeah it's very important and, and trying to be stewards in the community you know practice what you preach type thing um yeah and so we're, we're actually we're going to be hosting uh the wilkes area high school uh stem uh, STEM class. They have, they're called Wolf, the Wolfpack uh, Robotics Team. We're going to host them yeah. uh, next Friday. They're going to tour our facility, see what we do as a systems integrator, right? So yeah, we're absolutely. trying to do our part to get that next level engagement at that high school level, right? And then we also love to get that outreach into the, the, tech, the tech schools, community colleges, uh, universities. Uh, we're also affiliated with the Lackawanna College Robotics Lab. Um, you know, yeah. we are a sponsor of that lab, a partner in that lab. So, yeah, it is very, very important in, in how we push that, showcase that, because it's really important to get that young talent kind of interested in getting into the robotics and automation. So 100 percent, 100 percent. I mean, one of the things that I'm really proud of is um, we're, we're part of a, a couple of groups here in West Michigan. Um, the one we just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago is called Discover Manufacturing. Um, so we work with organizing a two-week event where we work with about 60 or 70 different manufacturing companies in uh, seven different districts around, um, or counties, excuse me, around uh, West Michigan. We Our goal is to bring in 10,000 students into manufacturing companies over a two-week wow. period of time. And so we get them on buses, we pick them up from the school, we drive them to the locations, they get out, they walk on the floor. Um, and, and that's and that's just what needs to happen now. It's like one of those things is social media is huge, but when you can get a kid who's in ninth or 10th grade to see what their career path could be, a lot of times their junior and senior year, it's too late. They're already figured out what they want to do for college. They've already had this path. But if you can get them young, you can get them when they're 16 years old and go in and have them do a summer internship right. to come in and, and, hey, sweep the floor or learn how to tap holes or learn how to strip wires for a panel um, or, hey, pick up a grinder or a welder. Yeah, it's a little dark and dirty, but it's going to teach you work mm -hmm. ethic and it's going to allow you to understand the premise of how manufacturing's built right. up on. Um, it's a phenomenal opportunity. And, yeah, Jake, and, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Keep your thought. Keep your thought going. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, it's one of those things where you're not going to get every kid mm -hmm. that's out there. 
But if you can capture a kid's, you know, excitement in a way where he might have been thinking of doing a different career path, but he saw the technology and the opportunity and the applications that exist within manufacturing, he might re-navigate to say, hey, I want to explore this avenue instead. I think that's such an important part, uh, both the age. I'm with the client today in, in another part of Pennsylvania. And our, th- that was our conversation today. That was our conversation today of, of the younger people. So I think that's a vital part of it. The other part that I talk about I'd like for you to address is that who influences those kids beyond the education? You know, it's the parents. So... So if you agree or disagree, I'd like you to address that. Like, okay, so we get the students to, we get a kid in eighth grade, male or female, to come and see it. And not only that, for the most part, they're going to manufacturing. It is not an old foundry. These yeah. these places have sophisticated equipment. You walk into PSA and you'll you'll think like, where the hell are you? Are you uh, you're on a in an Apollo launch pad because it's all fancy equipment and and digital and all that kind of stuff. But the other part of that is if they come home from that trip and they say, well, I just visited XYZ manufacturing. If mom and dad say, why are you doing that? We're, we're kind of, we need help there, don't we? Chad? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're one of your best, um, you know, one of your best advocates is going to be the parents of the kids. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times one of your worst advocates, the person you're fighting against is the parents of the kids. Um, yeah. And that's why it's so important. Like I mentioned what we did a couple of weeks ago bringing in those 20 teachers, those 20 parents and those 20 kids, yeah. um, you know, you get to talk to those parents. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of opportunities. There's going to be another one that we're working on um, for an event uh, in March of next year where it's going to be a parents' open house. So we're hoping to get over 500 parents oh, that's to great. come to this event and with their kids. And we're going to talk to them about career paths, opportunities, what the industry is doing, um, and and you know one of those things you can it's it's to help the parents not tell the kids where to go, but help the parents realize the opportunities that exist for the kids that they thought all those jobs left overseas twenty or thirty years ago, and they found out yeah some did, but there's still a lot here. There's a lot wow. coming back, but there's a lot mm-hmm. better jobs. Like that's the whole thing too. Is yeah, a robot programmer was few and far in between for the demand twenty years ago. Today. I can't think of one company I would walk into to say, hey, do you need a robot programmer? And they would right. tell me no. You know, right. it's <laughs> or a PLC program or a PLC right. technician, right? right? It's, it's one of those things is we work for a systems integrator. We probably had 60 engineers at the time. Um, and some of our best engineers never went to college. They started right. off as a journeyman electrician, worked in there, then did tech, then did panel build, then did some PLC right. stuff. And now they're a senior controls you know, programmer making $165,000 a year, you know, and, and they're crushing it. They never got an engineering degree, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where um, it's, 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 it's an awesome opportunity for, for a lot of people. It's just, yeah, we need to ally with the parents. Uh, parents need to go to events like First Robotics. Parents need to go to events like Lego League, First Vex Competition. There's a bunch of different stuff that's out there. Um, but it's it's a phenomenal opportunity. Absolutely. And it's, you know, the ROI, if you think about that aspect of selling a, a parent on the ROI of an education, yeah. I mean, just taking it on that level, because at the Hobart Institute, absolutely, that's key. You know, why go to, you know, this particular institute or this college or university to learn X, Y, Z when you can get a very good education and learn a very highly 
uh, needed skills trade and welding, and the ROI is like just it's phenomenal, and and the wages are one one thousand yeah, so, percent. Yeah, it's getting yeah, those it's it's getting those parents all in line with it because there's not a lot of parents out there to say, oh yeah, I want my kid to go, you know, arc weld. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's here's the stats. Um, seven out, or excuse me, eight out of ten parents on a survey agree that manufacturing was critical to the economy and moving forward. Yet they asked, would you encourage your kid to go into manufacturing? Only three out of 10 parents would say they would want their kid to do it though. So yeah. even they understand that the industry is super critical, they still want to encourage your kids because manufacturing in a lot of cases is still viewed as this dark, dirty, dull, dangerous industry that doesn't have clean floors, that doesn't have technology, that doesn't have automation, that doesn't have a single job that they do for 30 or 40 years. They don't understand the opportunities to grow and 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 um, be promoted within the company. Yeah, so, uh, the, and, so there's the ROI that you're talking about, Joe, absolutely is right on. But I think what we don't talk about enough is the pride of craftsmanship. If you're working in a place like PSA or the places you're visiting, uh, Jake, they they have pride. They see what they're doing. They're making something. They're contributing to something. They're contributing to a company, to a process. There's there's pride of crap. There should be, and I'm sure people talk about this. I mean, is that missing? Are we talking about that aspect enough, Jake? No, I think I think it's a great point to hit on. Um, you know, every the younger generations and and their their characteristics is they want to be something. They want to be part of something greater. Um, they want to create an impact. But I think it's you know, it's not just the product. It's the impact that they're creating within their community. Like you see more and more companies being successful when they're going and they're, they're reaching out to these schools they're reaching out to communities. They're, you know, yeah, being a part of something that's not just manufacturing focused, but community focused. Um, they have, they have sustainability programs where, Hey, it's not necessarily, we're going to go out and try and reduce scrap, but Hey, we're going to go out here and adopt technology. That's going to hopefully reduce the air leaks within our facility or improve, you know, productivity within our equipment. And it's one of those things where, while the underlining is you're making, you know, you're improving OBE, which at the, at the end of the day is, is saving you capital dollars, that's you're reducing scrap, you're reducing energy, you're reducing, you know, all the compressed air waste, which we all know is a massive contributor to cost within manufacturing is is, is that area. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those all different avenues, but I think that's just the big thing we need to encourage within companies is you can't just focus on one thing. You can't just preach one story. Uh, your stories need to be consistent but you need to realize that different things are going to resonate with different people, right? We can't just be the industry that manufacturing was where we were on average 25 to 35% higher paying for starting a, a, a starting hourly job compared to different industries. Like that's what manufacturing was, right? We were on average higher paying. Now, granted, that shifted a little bit. We're having a hard time finding people to work, even though 5 million, 4 million people are are are, are not working compared to pre-pandemic to now, so we're wondering what the heck they're doing. But it's one of those things where now all of a sudden uh, a young kid can go and work for Uber or Lyft or Grubhub and choose the hours they want to work, get paid $22, $23, $24 an hour to do it. Then all of a sudden we're figuring out, okay, how do manufacturers show value and create opportunity um, for them as a company when they see this as a flexible work? And I think it goes down to, to culture benefits, right? You're not going to get promoted. You're not going to get a 401k. You're not going to get health. You're not going to mm. get dental driving for a lift. You ride drive for them for five years. 
You're not getting promoted. You're not getting paid more. You're getting the exact same thing mm-hmm. you did before. It's just you have 100,000 miles on your car now. You know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where we need to educate these younger kids to look beyond just where they are now, but where they can be in the future. So we waited too long, Joe, probably. Let's do the commercial for Jake in terms of contact information. I know there's more to talk about, but Jake, uh, your website, uh, your LinkedIn, whatever you want to share that people listening just want to reach out to you. What, what should they do? Yeah. I mean, I would suggest, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me a message on LinkedIn. That's that's where I'm at. I love the platform. So just search Jake Hall on LinkedIn or the Manufacturing Millennial on LinkedIn. You're going to find me. I'll be the first person to pop up. I'm wearing a blue Cubs hat. Uh, and it will say right there, the Manufacturing Millennial. Uh, but yeah, reach out to me. I love to have conversations. If your organization or company wants me to come in and do a, a presentation or a keynote or highlight what your company's doing, there's a million different ways you can partner awesome. with me. So you, you talk about the okay, hat. What's up with the hat? Oh, yeah, what's up I, with I the hat? Cubs, you know, I, it's, it's, uh, my family grew up in, in Illinois um, and in the northern Illinois area. My grandparents were from the area as well. And so we moved to Michigan when I was a young kid, but, you know, I was still raised a Cubs fan. My wife's a, a diehard Cubs fan as well. And uh, let's face it, you know, I'm, I'm closer to Wrigley Field in Michigan than I am actually uh, Detroit uh, with Comerica. Um, so and, and the big thing, too, here in West Michigan, there's just as many Cubs fans as there are Tigers fans because back in the day when WGN was the primary radio station that people would listen to, the Chicago Cubs was the main broadcasted team across, you know, the wow. the main Midwest in the you know in the U.S. So no one listened to you know White Sox or Cardinals whoever they are the Brewers you know it was uh, it was one of those things where you know that's that was the team. <laughs> this guy knows statistics on everything we right. question. This guy has the numbers to back up everything he says. You know. Yeah. Go ahead, well, I'm, an, I'm an I'm an engineer at heart. So, like that's the big thing too, right. right? You know, a lot of it's it's hard to it's hard to find engineers who also you know love talking. <laughs> at the same time. Uh, are you a all right? Back are to you, you Joe. Any outdoor activities and like sports outdoor activities? Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess an outdoor activity for me would be barbecuing. I love I love brisket and pork butt and, and ribs. I, I smoke meat. You know, I try to smoke meat about nice. every weekend. Um, uh, if, if it's, um, the summertime, you're going to find me up at my cottage, uh, fishing, taking the kids out, tubing, taking them on the pontoon boat, uh, you Excellent. know, bobber fishing and stuff like that, or kayaking. I love to be in water. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's one of those things for me. Uh, I love just being outside in the shed working on stuff like that. I built my kids a, uh, a 48 foot long slide in our backyard for the Ooh. winter this year. So I went to I went to uh, Home Depot and bought bought a bunch of blue painted wood. So that's seventy percent discounted mm-hmm. wood. So I built an entire slide in the backyard um, for like eighty four bucks, and then I went and got a bunch of um, uh, it's the uh, it's the plastic four by eight sheets that go in bathroom uh, walls. It's like yeah. the uh, I forgot what the material is called, but it's a very like smooth, slick yeah. material. So when winter comes, they put the slides on that, the tubes on that. They're oh, just, geez. they're 
cruising down. You ice that a little before the night goes, spray it with some water, <laughs> and drain the hose, and you got a slick track in the backyard where we don't have. <laughs> yeah, you're like one of those greatest um, dads on on uh, like a Facebook. Oh they yeah, get, yeah, like, we have, they have those the- big slides, and it goes starts on the roof of the house and goes down around the back of the yard. <laughs> and it starts of about nine feet right. up in the air, and it will it goes down, and then when it snows, we're going to build some ramps where the kids right. can then. You know, go around and yeah, we have all the neighbor kids behind me and over here. They're just they're over there right right now. We don't have any snow, so they're riding their uh, their BMX bikes uh, and using it as a as a bike ramp. Awesome, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've got some fond memories of Western Michigan. I uh, the Muskegon River. Don't know if you ever been on the Muskegon, yeah. But uh, that's that. My cottage is on the Muskegon River. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Up in big up in big rapids. My my cottage is is is. Part of the river backed up to where one of the okay, dams yeah. are. So, uh, was, yeah, so, so I know exactly I the Michigan River. I kayak it. I've been on that river a number of times, uh, salmon fishing and uh, and steel, the steelheads. Yep. It's uh, on a fly rod. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's be- beautiful, beautiful area. Beautiful area. Yeah. Well, great. So, hey, you know, we're winding down here, you know, and I really do appreciate your time. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd really like to get a message out? You know, I'm just going to reemphasize what I said before. If you want to see change in the industry, the people who are listening to this, it starts with you. It starts locally and it starts in your local community. You don't need to do some massive global statewide campaign. Get connected with your local middle school, your local high school, your local community college. Go meet with the professors there and say, what do you need? How can we help you? Or they want they want to hear and say, and then say, hey, I would love to tell you the five things that we're seeing right now in our industry that we would love our kids, your kids to know and skill sets when they graduate. The worst thing a manufacturer can do is isolate themselves because they think everything they do is so proprietary, everything they do is so special, so unique that they'll, that's how they'll grow. You know, step out, collaborate with other manufacturing companies. It's one of those things where you're not really competing against Joe Schmo down the street anymore. It's it's very much of a, a domestic, you know, international, you know, uh, uh, economy now and competition. Uh, and so supporting those companies is uh, is huge. That's that's what I would say. You know, for my for my final notes. Yeah, Jake. I mean, just to follow up quickly on that, Joe. I know we want to wrap up. It's the uh, the, the the famous uh, thing of you know abundance versus scarcity. You know, and we got to think that there's a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. And, um, yeah, I, I've been in the world of, they say, well, yeah, we are so unique. We can't possibly bring someone in here because they're going to see how we run our machine. Well, there's yeah. 4 million of those machines, you know, and, and everybody's going to know how to do it anyhow. So, yeah, the whole idea of, uh, and, and yeah, you're, you're, you've got international competition. Uh, let's, yeah. let's work together in, in the, well, I'm promoting the United States, obviously. Uh, but let's work together in our communities. That's great advice. Get get at the uh, grassroots level with your schools and, and talk 100%. about it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, so, uh, so thinking about right, that, uh, before, as we wrap up here in the final notes, what about a success story? We've talked a lot about, you know, your influences and, and places you've been. And how, what type of influence are you can say, yeah, I, I've been there and here's a success from, you know, my influence? You know, I think for me, I love – uh, going back and talking to all the kids that I coached when they were in Lego League and they were in middle school. And now the kids that I coached, one is one of the senior developers for NASA 
looking at the next rover going to Mars. Wow. I have guys working at I have you know friends kids I coach working at SpaceX. I have you know so so these are all kids that didn't know what they wanted to do when they grew up, but I coached them in Lego League. I coached them in high school robotics, and now they're just out there just crushing the world, doing some incredible things. Wow. Um, and, and you know it's it's one of those things is. The best achievements in life are the ones that just are, are personal. Like, right, you know, I could go out there and say, hey, we did this and we did, you know, raised X amount of dollars and we helped transform this company and now they're doing automation. But like the individual person, you know, and I could I could picture his face as a kid and now I see him as a professional in the industry. Um, that's that's what I just love. And, and, and like I, I think every single person in the industry has that exact same opportunity, right, where um, – you know, my girls are five, are six and are six and three right now. So they don't, they're not quite there yet. But I know I'm going to be a super proud dad with, if they want to go into manufacturing, I am whatever going to be supportive of it. If they want to do something else, then hey, I'm going to be a dad who's just, I'm going to support whatever they want to do. But, you know, but being able to go out there and, and, and coach a Lego League team, coach a first robotics team and see how those kids are going in there is, is incredible. You know, I was involved with, um, my my high school robotics team and and they just finished building a a sixty five thousand square foot robotics center that's now in a high school building. Um, it's incredible and, and and to see the stories and they walk out there and you walk on the floor and you walk in the arena where they do all the competitions. They have they have an arena that will host two thousand kids and parents. Uh, and it's going to be the largest uh you know high school focused robotics arena in in the U S. Um, and, and just, you know, being a part of that program, uh, over the years and just, um, seeing all the banners of where all the kids went to college or the university. And, uh, I think they've gotten close to, I think $8 million in scholarships for these kids just within this one district by, by creating that program. There's more, there is 450 kids involved in robotics programs at that district. There's more kids involved with robotics there than there are any other sport. Wow. You know, so it's as you you wouldn't think about that. You would think, oh, you know, football is the biggest program, or baseball is the biggest, or whatever. Nope, robotics. Robotics is wow. the biggest program in this school district. Uh, there's more kids that get varsity letters there than any other um, thing. And like, and just to be a part of that, I think, and it goes back to the community. Like that's what's that's what's so much fun. Well, J.K., we really All appreciate right. it, man. This has been great, and and man, I just hope we have another opportunity to do it again in the future. Uh, I'd, I'd love to yeah. reach out to you again and because I think there's so much more we can get into. And plus, as time goes by, I, I just like to rehash this and see where we're at in the future, right? Uh, so, yeah, this has been yep. great. Thank you. And, Marty, any any last thoughts? Contact information again. Your name, where to go on LinkedIn. Give yeah. that one more time. Yeah, go on LinkedIn, search Jake Hall, or go on Google and look up The Manufacturing Millennial, and I'll be right there. And when you're on LinkedIn, you want to ring the bell so you get uh, yeah. you get the ring message. Ring the bell. You'll see my. You'll see my awesome. daily content. See, there you, I proved that I. I knew that I'm telling the truth. I'm ringing the bell. Fantastic. Jake, thanks, thanks Jake. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to the PSA BizTech Podcast. The PSA BizTech Podcast is a production of Production Systems Automation. More information on this podcast and PSA can be found at psasystems.com. That's psasystems.com.